Hello, everybody. This is Omar Lyles, the mental health coach from Agape Love Network. And today we're going to have a wonderful conversation on when grown men play high and seek. Uh, there's often a lot of issues surrounding uh, with men of color or just men in general. And we're going to be talking to a wonderful author by the name of Christopher Pinder. And I hope that you will enjoy this conversation here on Agape Love Network. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, I have a pleasure. Uh, it, it is a pleasure just to have this uh, wonderful uh, brother uh, tonight, and um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to let him actually introduce himself. Uh, but for tonight, uh, uh, as you can see, we're going to be talking about when grown men play hide and seek with Christopher Prinder. Prinder. <laughs> so uh, introduce yourself, uh, let people know who you are, tell us a little bit about your background and everything like that. I'm like, first, thank you, man. I am so humbled and, and grateful for the opportunity to be on your show, man. I guess I've made it now, huh? But anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, man, I'm Chris Fender Sr. Matter of fact, I'm married 39, it's been my 40th year. All right, so I'm Debbie, man, I have uh, three kids, uh, three college graduates and a grandson. Um, living my best life, man. Uh, Roman play hide and seek. I've always been, I grew up in North Philly, so I was the only one of my friends who had a mom and a dad. So I was, I was always intrigued about, you know, where the men at? Where the dads at? You know, it just wasn't a lot of men in the community who were dads. You know, you had uncles, you had brothers, but that dad was just missing. So I kind of always been intrigued in that. And growing up in the city, you see a lot of single family homes. You know, now as they keep stats. Back then, I don't think they coach stats. It's just, it's just the way it was. So that kind of perked my interest, man. So when I got an opportunity, um, I started doing work in fatherhood. Back when Wade Horn was in D.C., and um, I did my thesis. Actually, I did my thesis in my master's program. And the title of my thesis was when Roman played hide and seek. And when I wrote the thesis, I had no intention of writing this book, <laughs> none. But I wrote the thesis. And the funny thing happened, Omar, when I started, I had to do a survey. I had to survey 50 people. As I began to survey people about absentee dads, I ended up, man, I think I ended up surveying almost close to 1,500 because everybody I knew or interviewed wanted me to talk to some boss who had a story. You got to talk to this. You got to talk to this. Oh, you got to talk to my uncle. You got to talk to my brother. So it was crazy because at the time I, I wrote my thesis, there wasn't a lot of voices coming out to the black community about fatherhood, just stats. You know, eight out of 10 homes, a biological father's not present. You know, black kids are more likely to drop out, use drugs, get pregnant, go to jail. But then I found out there were so many different stories. Um, every dad that wasn't there wasn't a dad be dad. You know, um, some of them just didn't know how to navigate this, you know, with the wives to be co-parenting. Um, a lot of them had no idea the impact that they would have. 
So that's kind of led me on this journey, man. So I got a podcast of Average Black Men, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Um, man, I do so many things. Comedian men, we meet on Monday night, <laughs> 7 o'clock. There's a, a group of men coming together from all over the country. It's like 25 of us. Sometimes we get up to 35. Uh, we've had people as far away as Arizona, you know, join us. Um, and, man, it's just a safe place for guys to come. And we, we discuss the word, but we also support you know, I like to say we educate, encourage, and equip one another is what we do on Monday nights. And um, I run after school program. We do a lot of work in nonprofit. Uh, right now, I'm doing a lot of work in restorative circles. You know, and what a restorative circle is, Omar, I help. It's easy for kids of color to get in trouble and get expelled. It's more difficult for them to get back into the population. Mm -hmm. It's more difficult for them to come back and not stay in, you know, a special school or in a special class or in a special place. And, all. and so with that, I'm working with teachers. I do PD days. I help teachers, you know, who mm -hmm. may not understand our culture, <laughs> understand the need for restorative um, circles, and also help people. Or what I use the circles for is to help kids understand the sense of community. You know, so, yeah. So, man, I got a lot of stuff going on, bro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, I, I also uh, had the honor of actually and, and the pleasure of actually meeting you through King Movement. <laughs> forgot about that. Fellow. Yeah, think about that. We can't forget about King Movement. You know, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful organization. If any brothers out there that want to check out King Movement, please go uh, and yes. join a particular I'm chapter, whether it's in your respective state. OK, uh, so first thing I want to um, talk about um, today is your book. <laughs> Uh, this book right here, which I had the pleasure of reading, all right? Oh, look at that. We put it up at the same time. <laughs> it's called When Grown Men Play High and Seek, all right? And, and, and if there are any ladies that's uh, out there, I, I would like them to actually chime in on this conversation, too. Uh, because a lot of times they want to know about men, <laughs> you know, as far as our emotions, our feelings, our character. Uh, uh, the man's way of life and how we deal with things within our manhood. So this is a particular subject that you should be listening to tonight. And also the brothers, you know, uh, definitely this is for you. Uh, so when you titled this book, When Grown Men Play Hide and Seek, why did you title this this particular book? And why do uh, grown men play hide and seek? <laughs> the title came, the, actually the title was pretty easy. Um, I do a lot of work in the schools and working with a lot of kids. And what I began to realize, like back to school night, you don't see a lot of dads. You see a lot of moms. Um, even when you're in school and, and a lot of times when, when somebody gets in trouble, a young man gets in trouble, his mom is coming to the school, not his dad. And what really turned the switch, I was working with a group of 10th graders and we were talking about man, manhood and fatherhood. And they said something that I will never forget. They said, I hear you, you're talking about the forefathers of this country. You talk about Abba, the father in church. In my neighborhood, there are no dads. You know, they never have been to a wedding before. You know, and one of the kids said to me, man, it's almost like, you know, those fathers you're talking about, they're in hiding. Hence, when grown men play out and seek. They are, because we walk around every day, so you can see it, but it seems like we disappear when it comes to the responsibility of being dads, of being fathers, of being husbands. You know, that's what we seem to, to kind of lose. You know, look at the divorce rate and the separation. You know, people, guys who start families other places. You know, it's, it's especially in our community, 
you know, it's almost, you know, it's like a pandemic. So hence, that's where the title came from. Now, when, why do they play hide and seek, you ask me? There's a lot of reasons. Some of it is immaturity. You know, um, some of it is, and you know, we covered this a lot, in, you know, through King. I'm the president King Movement Philly chapter. I forgot to mention that. We covered in our groups. You know, surprisingly, Omar, a lot of men don't know how to, they don't know how. Mm -hmm. How to be father, how to be, because they came from single family. Mm -hmm. And every every man, every boy is going to find some man to affirm him a man. I don't care. Single moms will do a great job, but that's going to happen. Every woman, every girl is going to find some man to identify with what a man is. So if you're in an environment where it's all negative, you want to get it from one of two places. You want to get it from there or you want to get it from TV. You know, look at TV. How many shows other than Bill Cosby will you see a positive black father? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't. So now I, I'm, I'm torn between those two examples. Mm -hmm. So what you see is, you know, you see men hiding in plain sight because they don't know how. Mm -hmm. The other side of the coin is, I used to work for the housing authority. And this is the interesting, most people don't realize this. You get more benefits if the dad is not present. Mm. Yeah, isn't it crazy? If you're in an apartment and you, you can pay the minimum rent, you can get all the assistance you need. But the minute that guy moves in, even if he's only making minimum wage, even if his wages don't don't move the scale that much, you lose stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the government itself is almost saying, yo, it's easier for you to get along without him. You mm -hmm. don't need him. So that's the other side of the coin, why men just, and they shouldn't because men, men should fight, not physically, but men should challenge the right to be dads. They should always challenge, even if they're not getting along with their mom, they should. But most, a lot of men don't. They just move on. So those are the reasons. And some of it's economic, which, you know, some of them, I don't have enough money, or I, I can't do this, I can't do that. How that makes the situation better, don't know. But that those are some of the reasons why grown men play hide and seek. So uh, also, yeah, think, so hold on, I have a little technical. Uh, yeah, one second. I have a little. Technical quick. Yeah, so just a little something. Okay. All right. Now let's get back to it. <laughs> Had a little yeah. technical uh, difficulty actually on my right. end. Uh, all right. Yeah. So um, yeah. So those are really actually very important traits that uh, we as men uh, have. You know, especially within the black community and the growing up of men uh, within our families. They don't have a a a, a father to actually lead the home. And it's basically a contributing factor in why men behave and act the way that they do as they as they grow up, you know, okay. as, as men. And so I think that it's important that we have people like you uh, that's in the community that's actually working with men. You know, I've, already, I've been to your session already, <laughs> you know, so I think that it is good 
you know, to have men uh, open up and, and so that they can actually learn how to actually behave and be, be the men that, you know, that we're actually called to be. So uh, I had some questions that I really uh, want to ask you uh, within your book real quick. And I, I, I just want to just uh, bring some of them up. And so um, what, one thing that I wanted to ask you is how do you become a man of character? What takes a man to be who he is in terms of his character? Like what defines a man, all right? What, what uh, determines and how, how can a man actually become a man of character? I mean, I mean, first of all, it's identity of war. I think once we figure out who we are and stop along society or our culture or people around us to tell us who we are, once we figure it out, then we can go on the right path. Too many men are, are under the stigma of what they were called. They have a label of what somebody said they were when they're in, and they live it out. You know, they live it out. And I think, you know, I use character as an actor. You know, one, it takes commitment. You have to make the, you got to make the conscious choice, man, that you're going to be the best version of yourself. You know, yourself, nobody else. I'm not comparing myself, but you've got to make a conscious choice. And then the eight, you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest with yourself. Say, I got some issues. <laughs> maybe I got commitment issues. You know, maybe I, I just, I'm not a good father. I'm not a good dad. You know, maybe I can't, you know, there's a lot of things I got to deal with, but honesty has to be key. And then the A is for awareness. you got to be aware. you got to be aware of what's going around and how your actions impact people. Too many men I deal with, they don't understand the ramifications of the decisions they make. You know, for instance, I could be married to somebody and I'm angry at her. I think I'm hurting her by leaving her, but I'm leaving my kids. You know, I missed that whole point, you know, or, you know, I'm going to show the court. I'd be okay. You want to make me pay this? I'm going to run to another city, another state, but I'm hurting my kids. You know, so they got to be aware of that, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, in the art, they got to be responsible. We got to be responsible, man. Responsible for our decisions, responsible for our families, you know, and that has to be high on the list of things that we need to do, you know. Um, and A, we got to be accountable. You know, we have to be allow others to hold us accountable, which to the whole community of men we do. You know, you joined us. Thank you for joining us last night, but you got to find somebody that's going to hold you accountable. Omar, we all need somebody to tell us, like, dude, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. You know, mm -hmm. and we don't get adversarial and fighting about it, but we need that. You know, um, and then we need to be better communicators. I mean, too many times men leave because they don't know how to communicate with their spouses. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't, and they don't have the words. Sometimes they don't have the skill set. Um, sometimes they don't have the patience, and sometimes she doesn't. You know, but we talk about that. We talk about communication is is a two way street. It's not just you talking because that's just a monologue. Is being able to listen. And you know, my workshop I talk about is the difference between listening and hearing. You know, you can I can listen to somebody all day long, but do I actually hear what you're saying? You know, so we, we gotta make sure, you know, we are we are communicating. Um, so I think you go through those things. You, you have to make sure, you know, you gotta make sure that, you know, a tactician, man, they gotta have a plan. One, you know, when we started community of men three years ago, the first thing I did with them was have them. The guys who've been with me develop a vision statement for themselves and for their wives. And for, I mean, for their families. You know, write it down. You know, the Bible says, write it down, make it plain. You know, and they will, you know, they can go back to the vision statement, but the vision statement helps keep them on path. It helps keep them on track. And it's something that is up there, the wife and the family can hold them accountable. You know, um, you've got to be an endure, man. You know, this journey's, you know, being a man, I think being a, a husband, a Christian, especially being an African American man now. 
is you've got to have endurance because it's tough. It's not easy. And I think a lot of times we're not prepared, so we quit. We give up instead of saying, okay, how can I go back to what I said before, be the best version of me? And the one that nobody likes is you got to read, bro. That's the one people don't want to hear. You know, I'm not saying read the tale of two cities, but you got to read books that's going to help you grow. You know, you got to read books that's going to help you fill the gap of what you don't know. You know, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we deal with is is ignorance because what we don't know will hurt you. Society says ignorance is bliss. That's not true. You know, ignorance is killing relationships, it's killing churches, it's killing leaders. You know, ignorance, man, can take a lot of things out of here, man, just for lack of understanding. And so I think that's that's key to becoming a man of character, man. That's the first step. And it's funny because you mentioned it. I do that workshop for females. What to look for in a man. And I use that same acronym when I'm talking. This is what you should be looking for. You know, if he doesn't have these attributes, you may want to head another direction. Man. I lost your sound. I see you, but I can't hear you. Uh, okay, all right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, those things are important, um, you know, when it comes down to the men of character in and of itself, especially when it comes down to relationships uh, and marriages and uh, the rearing up of children and and uh, your behavior and how how people perceive you as a person and how you treat other people at the same time. So one of the things that I, I do want to talk about is based on uh, relationships as well. I know that you had me on your show and we talked about relationships too. <laughs> so you, you had, in your, in your book, you had a few things that uh, you had discussed. And so, uh, especially when, when it comes down uh, to a lot of challenging issues. So uh, what are the areas where men need to be more challenging actually in loving their wives? You know, I know we're drifting from one subject to the other, but um, I think that a lot of questions pretty much that I have and also the, the topic that you, the subject that you had pretty much within your book, because being that there are a lot of broken relationships and a lot of broken marriages and things like that. But what are the challenging areas and not just just simply uh, the character in of itself, but what are the areas where men need to be more challenged in loving their wives? Too? Now, I'm not currently married to anything of that nature, but there may be those that are out there. You know that are actually going to be reading this live <laughs> you know or who are actually watching this live at the same time so tell me just a little bit about that so you want let me make sure i get the question right what are the areas that i think are most challenging yes yeah i think first of all i think communication and i don't mean surface communication i mean transparent heartfelt communication where you can say this is how i feel you know um this is what i'm thinking you know, where you can share your dreams and, and all your emotions in a safe place and being able to listen to her do the same thing. I think a lot of times when I sit down with couples and I counsel them, you know, the communication is off. Um, she's afraid to tell him something that maybe happened before they got married. He's afraid to share something. So it's like communication is like I have a Volkswagen. I got 20 suitcases. My wife has 20 suitcases. All 20 suitcases not fit in the Volkswagen. So what happens is we throw out suitcases to make them fit. Then we start unpacking suitcases like, oh, my God, what's in that suitcase? Because we all carry this bag. And so lack of communication is like carrying this baggage around and never addressing it. You know, so I think communication is huge. Um, I think another thing I think we struggle is just, just love. One of the questions I ask um, couples, and I think I'm the one who does it, at least I'm told that, is 
I'll ask, I'll have them both write down the definition of love. Because what I found them was a lot of us get married and we got two totally different definitions of love. Man. We in love. I'm in love. She's in love. Then we get married. And my version of love is to death do us part. And maybe her mm-hmm. version of love is until the finances go bad. <laughs> so, you know, that if we don't have that common denominator, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle, you know, uh, because we have two totally definitions of love. And what people don't understand is love is love. Most of us, the way we love is shit. Shaped by environment we came from, so that's the issue. Because I don't take time to figure out where Omar came from. Mm-hmm. I don't take time, you know, Omar to take time to figure out where she came from. We just in love. So now we're getting married and all this baggage. Like I said before, we got to deal with so communication, you know. And what's your definition of love? I think that vision statement. Most guys, and I say this all the time, you're asking your wife to follow you, and you never told her where you're going. You know, you want her to be subservient, like the Bible says, not a slave, not a flunky, but you want her to follow you, but you never painted a picture of where you're going. Mm-hmm. You know, you never laid out a vision for her saying, this is this is where I want, this is where I see us, this is how I see us getting there. So even if she says, okay, I'm going to follow you, women like security. So the first time the road gets bumpy, she doesn't know where you're going. She's going to get apprehensive. That's, that's, you, that's typically what happens. Because you haven't told her where you're going, so you gotta you gotta have a vision. And I hate to keep saying it, that's why the Bible says, write it down, make it plain. You know, you gotta have a vision for for yourself because she needs to know, you know, what you're about. You know, I think the other place where we we, we kind of lose track is being vulnerable, because I think through vulnerability, vulnerability promotes transparency, and I think it's through transparency that people gain trust. And if I trust you. If I trust you and I get to know you, in my mind, even when I don't understand, I can still trust you because I believe in my heart you're not going to make any decision that's going to be bad for the both of us. But these are things that you got to work at. They don't happen because you get married and say, I do, and we both skip down an aisle and everything, you know, it's going to be rosy. It's not. You know, I think the other area that people struggle in is when they have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids become the focal point and they forget about each other. You know, you're not paying attention to his needs and she's not paying attention to your needs. And, you know, you both kind of, you know, you get caught in that grind. You like the little hamster the more you're running for speed ahead. And I think sometimes we forget or we part these needs that we think are not important. And then one day we wake up and, man, I got this need that I had for a long time. And I'm starving. I'm thirsty. You know, and it creates a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. and just being able to have dialogue, man, my wife and I, one of the turning points in our marriage was we created the date night. And we had a date night that none of us could, we both had to agree to break it. I, none of one of us could break it. And we did it. And on date night, we had rules. We didn't talk about bills. You know, we didn't talk about the kids. We didn't mm-hmm. talk about family. It was just our date night to hang out, mm-hmm. and know each other, man, and just do whatever. And it wasn't always about spending money. Mm-hmm. But Keep it kept the love alive. <laughs> But you know what? More importantly, it keeps you, you, you still know who you're married to versus yeah. you don't connect. And then five years later, you find out that all this stuff has been going on. You know nothing about that creates a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It creates a problem, man. And then, you know, I call it the just because rule. There's time I'll bring the flowers just because. Yeah. You know, um, I, I do that. The other thing I think kills marriages is for some reason I have people in church say, and I, I, I hate it when they say this. Um, Marriage is not 50-50 because at one time or another, somebody's given more. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, for me to do what I do and what I've been able to build, 
my wife gave more because she took care of the house. She worked, she took care of the kids. She gave me freedom to do some of the stuff I do to build what I have now. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's kind of like pay it forward. You know, now she's reaping the benefits. But I think when we start saying 50-50, people start keeping score. Because yeah. I've had guys tell me, well, I'm doing more than she's doing. Well, welcome to the world of life. Yeah. You know, and I could go on, but I think those are key, those are key challenges that most people face in marriage. You know, because without those things, you know, there's no people are afraid to be totally honest. Yeah. Yeah, you have a lot of that. You know, t- today people are just yeah. not only just being honest, being, but being honest and true to themselves yeah. as a person. And so when they enter these spaces or in relationship with others, all they're doing is hurting the next person, you know, because you drag your mess into yeah. their lives. And now they're they're living a mess, you know. And that's why I think that, you know, what you're doing, working with men, so that they can develop themselves and, and develop some sort of moral character, you know, which which they are led by the Holy Spirit, you know, to, uh, to come about change and bring change into their lives so that when they do get married, they can be better prepared, you know, uh, at, at, to be a father, to be, to be a husband, you know, and to take care of kids and things of that nature. And not only just dealing with the family, but dealing with people in the world as yeah. well, you know, and in the community and be a, be a better service to them. I know that when I when I got saved, um, you know, let, let me just go a little bit before that, because before that, I really didn't have a lot of mentors, you know, growing up, you know, um, uh, I, I really didn't. I pretty much was much more of a loner. A, a lone ranger, I would say. <laughs> I didn't have nobody to be like, um, hey, come on over here. Let me teach you about this and this and that. You know, I didn't have that. Maybe a sprinkle here or maybe somebody else's dad or somebody from school. Was, I, I, when I was at church, uh, there was a gentleman who taught me how to tie my, ch- my tie. I was at uh, Original Free Will Baptist Church in, uh, in East Star, New Jersey. And I was sitting up there looking in the mirror. And I just could not tie my tie. So I seen a gentleman and I seen him going like this. I said, oh, snap. I said, well, well maybe he knows. He looked over to me. He said, come over here, son. <laughs> and he did it. And I was like, yeah, all right. You know, and he said, and then he took it apart and said, now nah, you do it. I said, wait a minute, man. <clears throat> I can't slip it over my head. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I, I was cool with it. But he, but he, what he was doing was he was just challenging me, and he was showing me the ropes of how to actually do stuff. You know, see, a lot of times we have people in our lives. You know, let me just say this: people may have a father, and they may have tools, but he may not show them how to use it. You know, you can see him fix cars, you can see him fix the roof, but they're not actually showing them how to actually do things. But it goes back. There's this, there's a scene in Fences with Denzel Washington is talking to his son. And Denzel Washington is bitter because he just knew he should have been in Major League Baseball, but it was a time where blacks weren't making it, and his son is really good in football. And he's telling his son, you're not going to play football. You want to work. And the son says, Dad, why you never support me? And this is what he says is so powerful because I believe this in our community, this, this is around too much, especially old school. And his son said, Dad, I wonder if you love me. And he, Denzel Washington's response is, love you. Love you. I put food on your table, I put a bed for you to sleep, I put a roof over your head. What do you mean do I love you? And I think that's the problem. You know, 
a lot of men don't know how to communicate the love to their children, to their sons. You know, so what they do is they become introvert. I'm keep, you know, yo, I'm just gonna, he's gonna watch me and hopefully he'll learn something from watching me. So I think you see it a lot in my community. Um, I know when I'm in these schools talking to these young men, you know, they don't have, they haven't met the person you met that says, let me help you with that. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a struggle for them. And you couple that with, with the pride that a lot of us have, we're not going to ask for help. You know, I'm not going to tell Omar I'm struggling in my relationship. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell Omar I can't, t- I'm just going, you know, I'm, I'm a man it up. Our topic on our show last week was, um, you know, man up. We were talking about that, how that's this phrase that people use that and how, you know, I, I kind of detest the phrase, but I think it has taken hold in our culture. Yeah. So we think man up is like gotta have this facade all the time. Yeah. So I think that's kind of contributed to uh, some of the issues that we have. Yeah, and you know, there, there are a lot of brothers out there that are just afraid to be vulnerable around other brothers. I, I remember uh, it, not just one brother, I heard a number of guys that they were afraid to open up, you know, to other brothers, you know, like it's some sort of sign of weakness. But and I'm going to be very honest. Uh, growing up, I really thought that that was. Me too. Because I wasn't taught that, really. But now, but when, but when I got saved, I got see, I got saved at age of nineteen, though. <laughs> so um, uh, it's it's early, but still wasn't too early. And there's never no uh, a time that you cannot be saved. Uh, however, but the men or the caliber of men that I surrounded myself were mature men that allowed me to be in that space for me to actually be vulnerable toward them. You know, and a lot of the other guys who I was hanging around, oh, you weak, man. Why are you doing that, man? And you crying. That's soft, you know, and stuff like that. So we don't have enough spaces like that, you know. And um, I like the uh, the virtual groups that you have. I'm actually starting one. Actually, I've already been doing one. I've been doing uh, lives about men and stuff like that, but I'm doing a private virtual group uh, for men as well. Uh, I'm looking for other men, you know, who want to partner and come in and chime in and may do a night and stuff like that. It's a safe space for men so they can dialogue and talk about their issues, you know, and to talk about uh, their their, uh, issues in relationships with their family and their friends on a more private level. So and and it's approved, you know, state approved and things of that nature. So and, and we need to be in more spaces like that to tell men that it's okay. To be like that, there is no, there's no shame. There's not going to be any uh, repercussions, you know. <laughs> if if you do feel and express yourself in a certain kind of way, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I think that it's a beautiful thing, and I believe that God believes in family because that's what He really wants. Because uh, in the final analysis, we're all going to be family when we get to heaven. There's not going to be, it's not going to be black by itself and not going to be white by themselves and any other race everybody is going to be there in love and everybody's going to be there to where god wants us to be a family and be there toward one another and but on this side of of, of the cross here on earth is for us to learn how to express ourselves with one another so here's one of the things that i would like to ask you as well uh okay uh, let me let me let me see let me see. All right. Uh, okay, here it is. Um, you have a particular. Um, 
Okay, here it is. How do people go about seeing godly change in their in their marriage? Okay, how do people go about seeing godly change in their marriage? I think first of all, um, for me, and I use myself as an example. Um, when I got married, I didn't have a clue. You know, my, I love my dad to death, love my mom to death. Nobody sat me down and told me what marriage is really about. Yeah, <laughs> they did. You know, it was like you fall in love, you get married, and the rest is like happily ever after. You know. Mm-hmm. If you've been married, you know that only happens in fairy tales unless you work. So I think how you see the God changes. And I I think for me, once my wife started seeing me pursue God with all my heart, not to impress her, not re- recite the scripture to her, not trying to make her, you know, follow me. And I talk about in the book, you know, about washing her with the word. I just would pray, you know, um, regardless. Uh, if we had a... a a discussion that was kind of out of context, you know. Some people call it an argument. I still prayed over her. You know, um, if we weren't having a good day, I still prayed over her. You know, um, even now, I get up every morning, regardless of we may not be on the same page. I get up every morning, my wife knows my routine. She knows she's gonna get breakfast from me. She knows that. You know, um, they have to see us become who we say we are. They got to see us. They got to see Jesus in us, you know, not just here in scripture, but by the way we treat them, you know, yeah. um, how we handle our anger, how we handle our frustration, you know, because nobody knows you like your wife because she lives with you. So she can see the change when you begin to change, mm-hmm. you know, um, and once they see the change, things will begin to get easier. You know, not easy. I said easier. Let me emphasize that. But that's how they can see the godly change in you, not just getting a suit, going to church on Sunday. A wife knows every morning I'm going to get up and do my devotion. She knows I'm going to do that. You know, um, she knows that I minister to other men. So she sees me when I'm sending out, you know, I got uh, like, man, almost 50 text messages in the morning. <laughs> so all these guys, man, I'm like, hey, you know, stay encouraged. And I get a lot back for God saying, thank you. I appreciate it. I need it. So she knows I'm going to do that. And my kids know I'm going to do that. So she knows I'm going to do this. So she sees them in me. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. She'll be the first to tell you that. But she knows I have this heartfelt, you know, pursuit of God, you know. Um, and she sees it, and she sees the change in me. The closer I get to God, you know, the more I change. You know, um, you know, you grow in so many different areas when you just pursue God and focus on God. You know, not trying to impress her, not trying to impress anybody else. And I think you have to be consistent and persistent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right. So uh, that's pretty much about the, uh, the questions. Uh, what what other projects do you have uh, that's coming up in the future? Oh man, well actually I have another book. This is book is on leadership. So I'll give me. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, I, you know I'm gonna get that too. I got support. It's on Amazon. Call Give Me the Ball, and this this talks. Oh, you, about, you had that just ready, didn't you? And this, ready. And this talks about leadership. Um, because I feel like when I was in college, you know, I never forget as a freshman in college. Um, how I came up with that title was yeah. I didn't have a basketball scout, I had baseball, but I walked on the basketball team, you know, and we're in the huddle, you know, it's like 10 seconds ago, game on the line, the coach is like, okay, who's going to take the last shot? And they, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's looking at each other, but, yo, they don't, and I wasn't like, yo, give me the ball. You know, yeah. I always wanted the ball in the clutch situation. That's me. You know, I'll make them, I'll miss it, but I'm, I'm not afraid to take the shot. And I think we men have to be more aggressive not physically more aggressive in taking the lead you know men have to be more assertive in their position and manhood yeah. you know and not delegate and let and let everything just slide so hence that came up i'm currently working on a 30-day devotional 
devotional. Um, that's part. That's gonna be the next publish I have. It's a thirty day devotional. Um, as you know, I send out text messages every morning to all my guys. So it's like almost fifty now. You know, um, between the call and people we just, you know, I've connected with. So I'm gonna put that into a thirty day devotion. And how mm-hmm. the devotion is gonna work? Devotion is gonna be, um, you know, every day they get a they get a scripture, they'll get something that goes along with it, and they can meditate. On it, mm-hmm. You know, and and prayerfully. You know, they'll start to see some of the change that you and I are talking about. Um, man, you know, King Movement, man, we talked about earlier about about getting the retreats. So we're trying to recruit more guys. So, ladies, you've got a guy out there, man, yo, let's get him plugged into the King Movement in Philly or, or Jersey. Look it up. We can get him plugged mm-hmm. in. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> On June 10th. Yeah, a lot a lot of ladies be asking, too. You know, they be asking about it. Send so. them to me. Send them to me. You take it. You know, we, I had three new guys join us Monday night. It was three new guys on their Monday night. <clears throat> yeah. June 10th, I'm having an event at Discovery Center, which is free. I, I think I sent you the flyer. Kids yeah, 12. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to be working that day, so I'm going to miss that one. It's cool. But kids 12 and over, we take them out to the Discovery Center. They'll have a chance to um, canoeing, rock climbing, team building exercise, and just be around a bunch of positive men. Just yeah. a bunch of positive men talking about positive stuff, and they'll be in a safe place. Yeah, you know, so I have that coming up. Um, man, I can go on and on. I got every year Christmas time. I do a, a I give away free toys and coats. You know, every mm-hmm. year, every, every family. Last year we did seventy five families. Every every kid and every family got three brand new toys and a brand new coat. You know, um, I have a conference at Cabrini University, which is a local university here in September, which we take about a hundred middle school kids for free on a Saturday. Um, Man, so there's a bunch of stuff, man. The list goes on, <laughs> you know, that, that I'm involved in. Man. But I think none, I love them all, but none is more rewarding than working with men, you know, and working with young men. Like I do stuff in schools, restorative circles. We talked about that, you know, watching these young men grow into to men mm-hmm. and running into them later on and say, hey, I remember you told me this, you know, and I'm still doing it. Or, man, you said this to me. I never forgot it. That is probably the most rewarding that, that mm-hmm. I can say uh, of all the stuff I do. And there's another book coming out. Yeah, I just don't have a title for it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Well, it, it, it's it, it's in it's in the uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> it's in the prophecy right now. I just don't. Yeah, what, what's the name of that book again? Yeah. Um, give me the ball. It's on Amazon. Both these books on Amazon. We're going to play hot as he can give me the ball. All right. Um, you can put that in the chat uh, after we finish the conversation. You know. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah so uh right now uh what i'm going to ask you to do is to give your uh what matter of fact you don't even have to give your handles or anything like that right now but for just one minute i would like you for just one minute okay um two is the most but for one minute um to just um ask let everybody know why why it is important oh, no no why is it important to uh why is it safe to play hide and seek <laughs> what say that again why is it yeah. why isn't it safe to play hide and seek because in ram and this is easy man because when you play hide and seek um, the ramifications run far beyond you talk about generational repercussions you know you just mentioned yourself you know um, it took you to 19. you know um when you got to the point when we miss an in action <clears throat> the next generation suffers. Our daughters don't know what, what a strong man looks like. Our sons don't know what it is to be a man versus what he sees in the street. So I think it's really, really important, man, that we be not just around, but present. 
and then we're active in, in, in the raising of our sons and daughters, man, and being strong husbands. When we're not where we're supposed to do, believe our family's unprotected. So that about sums it up. Are you still there? Because I lost your picture. There you go. I'm here. Small enough for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Just let everybody know your social media handles. Yeah, you can reach me on www.familiesplurcommunitysingular.org. That'll take you to my page. That'll give you all the information you need um, from me. Um, but I am on Facebook. If you look up Chris Pender Senior, you can get me on Facebook. Uh, Cat52 on Instagram, and I can give you the number to my office, is which, uh, which is probably the best way to reach me. Um, <clears throat> And I just just kind of got away from me real quick, but I have too many numbers in my head, man. No, it's it's all right. Yeah, I got so many. You know, you just have a bunch of numbers in your head. It's like, yeah, I, I know, man. But you know what? I, I can tell you that back in the day, I used to know a lot of these numbers. I seem to forget now. I used technologies here. <laughs> it's funny because I remember my childhood numbers. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I still do too. Yeah, I still do. Four eight four seven five zero two seven six zero. Wow, well, it was six seven five two eight four. <laughs> so that is all the way when I was there. That's my grandma's phone number. Since this I was office number now. Five six years old. <laughs> this is my office number now. Four eight four seven five zero two seven six zero. Four eight four seven five zero two seven six zero. Um, hit me up. I work with every population preschool to prison. Um, like I said, we got the community men on Monday nights. It's a virtual meeting from seven eight o'clock every Monday. Um, we've been faithful for three years now, so we're there. Um, yeah, and you know we have our radio podcast, Above Average Black Men, every Wednesday from seven to eight. We on Instagram, we on Facebook, we on Podbean, we on Spotify, we on our iHeart Radio, um, YouTube. So we're out there, man. So you know, folk are bright tired of seeing my face. <laughs> All right, yeah, big bright tires there. All right. Well, uh, we're about to end it right now. So, uh, everybody, I just want to just let you know, please don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, comment, and share Agape Love Network and uh, Omar Lyle, the mental health coach. You can check uh, here us here on Facebook um, at uh, Agape Love Network. You can check us also on Omar Lyle's The Mental Health Coach, which is uh, one of my private pages. Also, you can check out our, um, our Agape Love Network uh uh, relationship and discussion group that we pretty much have. Check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, also, you can check out uh, uh, us on agapelovenetwork.net, okay? And that's pretty much it. And please do not hesitate, hesitate to buy, purchase uh, any of our published material, especially our magazine. Uh, you can purchase that on our website as well. I just like to thank each and every single one of you for actually just tuning in. And thank you, my brother, uh, Christopher Pender, oh, for man. actually coming on tonight. And uh, hopefully, I know, right? Oh, what, what is, what's that shirt say? If, if you send me your address, I get your shirt. Oh, this is um, my family's community on the move, my nonprofit, Do Better to Be Better. Oh, okay, cool. That's my challenge, man. My challenge is do better to be better. Stop talking about it, do better to be better. <laughs> I know, right? All right, yeah. thank you, everybody. For, uh, for just uh, having us here. You can stay on for just one minute and then uh, we'll just uh, exit from here, okay? All right, everybody, have a wonderful evening.